That's pretty good. It's good to see everybody this morning. If you would, turn to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We'll be reading 2 Timothy chapter 4 this morning. Before we do, B, I need your help. If you would, Now set it right here, so I'm on. I'm gonna need Grady to watch it for me. Grady, Grady, you watch that. If that sand goes out of that hourglass, you let me know, okay? And I promise I'll start to wrap up once it <laughs> once it does. Uh, <laughs> Brother Sammy texted me this this week, and he he said. Uh, we were both, I guess, just trying to figure out what this Sunday was going to be, and, and uh, he said, "I tell you what, why don't you just preach Sunday morning, and, and uh, as we as we do all this?" And I said, "Okay, I, that's that's good. I'll do that." So uh, I texted him back in just a few minutes. I said, "Well, I've got two different sermons that I want to be able to use. How much time do I have?" <laughs> and uh, he told me that I had uh, thirty minutes. Thanks what you said, 30 minutes or something, and I, I said, well, okay, but I said, I need to try to use both of them, and he said that he'd have security me to, to, security to drag me down if I went over, so I, I try not to, but Grady, you, you watch that, yeah, there you go, you watch that sand, you're doing a good job, doing a good job. Um, we are measured, really, by time, we, we talked a little bit about that in Sunday school this morning. Uh, about the time that we have and and Terry sang the song in the time that you gave me and uh, you know our our day our every day is built by hours and minutes and and uh, you know those hours and minutes are built into seasons and everybody's got their favorite seasons uh, right now they some of you that's a little a little strange you like winter that's your favorite season and uh, most of your hunters uh, some of you like spring season better, and then some summer and some fall. That's my favorite fall. I like fall because summer's always such so hot. And it's by the time you know you finally get that cool air that comes in, and then winter again. So you know, an hourglass this morning kind of represents. I want it to represent our life, and uh, we. It's an hourglass, so it's supposed to last for an hour. Okay, but. Maybe 30 minutes of that has gone by already. So with that said, I want to look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and talk about the Apostle Paul this morning. And uh, the reason that I want to look at this is because Paul's hourglass was near the end during this time. But he says in verse 1, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth 
and will be turned aside to fables. But you, talking to Timothy there, says, but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And then Paul says, for I am being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to those who have loved his appearing. Be diligent to come to me quickly. And then in verse 17, down towards the end of the chapter, he says, But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and uh, preserve me for his king, heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus, Erastus, who stayed in uh, Corinth, but Trophimus, I have left Miletus sick. In verse 21, do your utmost to come before winter. Father, we love you. We thank you for a chance just to be able to open your word and to be able to speak a few words, Lord. But I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak this morning, not me. We pray that we would be able to hear your word, not only for knowledge, Lord, but for a transma transformation of our lives, Lord. We pray that, uh, that we would look to you and, and, and what it is that we'd have to do in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Looking at this, Paul's life, uh, his life was also measured by time. Um, he'd reached the end of his life. I remember in the, back last summer, Gene and I had an opportunity to be able to go to Rome. And we went to the, the uh, prison that Paul was held in right at his last days. And, and uh, they, they've made it a museum. You can go in and uh, it's, it's, it's pretty neat. It's pretty cool. And we, we were able to go completely down into the cell where Paul was held, into the same cell. And it was, it was strange to be able to stand in the bottom of that cell floor and look up and see, if you've seen the movie, you, you remember seeing the hole that was in the floor above it. And there was a grate over that hole, and there's still a hole in that floor, and there's still a grate over that hole. And I stood there, and I looked up, and I thought about some of the things that Paul you know, it went through his mind at the end of his life, but we know that, uh, that this is, this, these are some of the words that come from Paul to Timothy. But two things I want, you to, I want you to think of this morning. There's two things I want you to look at, and they come in verse 9 and verse 21. Verse 9 says, be diligent to come to me quickly. In verse 21, do your utmost to come before winter. Now, Paul writes this letter to Timothy and expresses to him to come quickly. He says, he says uh, it's, it's probably written to him in the fall, 
in, in the autumn of the year, and he says to come to me before winter. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, why, why is Paul's, ur- Paul's letter, why is this message so urgent for Timothy? And number one, I want to share with you this. Number one, because Timothy's window of opportunity was short. And here it is in, in, in the fall of the year, and there's a, there's a reason for this is in verse, uh, verse 6, he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And, you know, this drink offering, this, this was something that, that the Jews, they, they did. They, they would pour out this offering, this drink offering. And a lot of times uh, it was mentioned where, where Christ and his death and the blood that he shed and that, that he spilled, this was a... Uh, this was considered and in, 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 uh, uh, kind of an illustration of what a drink offering was. But also, um, he says, and at the time of my departure is at hand. So he knew that, that his life was almost over. He knew this. He says, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Almost He's almost happy, but, but he needs to be able to see Timothy. And he tells him twice to come quickly. Well, what does that have to do with me? When we're saved, we have a window of opportunity to be able to do certain things. Romans chapter 12, verse 4. 1 and 2, the first of verse 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, God started working with me, dealing with me about being called into the ministry two or three years ago. And I didn't really realize exactly what it was at the time. But um, as he was speaking to me, I kept saying, no, I, I, I travel too much. Or I don't have enough time. I, I can't even serve as a deacon as I need to be serving as a deacon. There is absolutely no way this is what God's calling me to do because I, there, I, I'm just never at home. I, I don't I travel. <laughs> I didn't travel well, but I travel. And uh, that, that was my excuse. Well, in August of last year, of year, uh, year before last, now 2017, my job came to a halt where I was. And God called me away from that job, and he called me to another place for employment and that employment was here in Phil Campbell, Alabama. <laughs> so it was almost like God said, okay, so the job thing, tell me about your job thing now. Do you, you're, you're not close, right? Well, <laughs> okay, God, you, you're right. I'm, I'm here at Phil Campbell, Alabama. So time, God, God gives us a certain amount of time, and what we're to do is we're to rely on him to be able to, for him to use us, in the amount of time that you gave me, Terry. I, I like to uh, 
like you to look at the hourglass, Grady. Is it still still good there? Uh, that hourglass. How much hour? How much? How much time's left in, in your hourglass? How much time's left in your glass? Well, none of us really know. We really don't know. Um, I was looking back. The uh, average life expectancy for uh, for us today, the average life expectancy is seventy eight point six years old. And one of my favorite preachers, I was listening to uh, Willie Rice uh, back some time ago, and he used this he used this scale, and I wanted to be able to use this today in this. I thought it fit real well, but it says, if your life was a single day, where would your life be in the day based on your age right now? So if you were born in, at 12.01 in the morning, and at the end of, of your life was at, was, was at the end of that day, where would you be? with the age that you are right now. So I'll give you those, okay? 20, we'll just start at 20, is it 6.15 in the morning? The age 30, 9.22 in the morning. The age 40, 12.30 p.m. Age 50, 3.38 p.m. Age 60, 6.45 p.m. Age 70, 9.53 p.m. And at age 75, it, it, it comes out to 11.07 p.m. And I know what some of you are thinking. <laughs> I've prayed for overtime and you've gotten it, so that's, that's good. Um, the, the thing is, we really don't know how much time is left in our hourglass. We, ju- we just don't know. Sometimes we miss opportunities because, um, because of that. We just don't know. But the second thing that I, I think one of the reasons that Paul's urgent was, uh, or request was so urgent, is because Timothy's opportunity was limited. Um, one of the things that is different, and I think we, we kind of get that around here, is that uh, where in, in, in the Middle East, and where Paul was in Rome, and he was saying for Timothy, to come from Ephesus to Rome and the best way to do that is on a ship well Paul says you got to come before winter and the reason of that is is because there's horrible storms in the winter Paul Paul was on a shipwreck he was his his ship was wrecked because of that so he's he's got first-hand knowledge you better not be out on on that water during the winter time and he he tells Timothy to come before winter and he says um if you don't, you probably won't make it. And he knew that his life was near an end. But he needed Timothy to come. Um, his window of opportunity was come now. And, and, and if you go back and look, he says, be diligent to come to me quickly and do your utmost to, to come before winter. Um, one of the things that uh, companies do in a lot of in a lot of ways is in uh, missing an opportunity to be able to grow and to be able to do different things you have to be able to act a lot of times we get into trouble by acting fast uh, by by doing things at the spur of the moment but you have to also watch out because you can wait too long and you can miss opportunities that you've that God's given you to be able to, to look for that and I looked up there were several different opportunities one of them was or there were several different opportunities that I want to share with you, and I'll share just two quick ones. 
one of them was uh, Steve Jobs was, you know, he, he worked for Atari and he tried to sell his idea of the personal computer or for, for his Apple computer to Atari for uh, $50,000. He, he, he tried to get Atari to go into business with him and was going to charge him $50,000 to be able to do that. And think about now how much Apple is, is worth. I mean, a lot of you have an Apple computer in your, in your pocket or in your purse. Um, another one, this is probably my favorite, Blockbuster Video. Anybody remember Blockbuster Video? Those of you that, uh, those of you, that you, you younger folks, you will never understand the pain that you get when you go into a Blockbuster Video store and you look up on the wall and you see the movie that you want to rent and right behind it there's no, there's no box for the, for the DVD in it or VCR tape then, wouldn't it? So those were hard, hard days, you know? And then, and then so, so Blockbuster Video, they were huge. They had, in, in the year 2000, they had 8,000 stores, Blockbuster. They were the biggest, they were the giant of movies. Along came this company called Netflix. You may have heard of it, Netflix. But they were struggling because the thing that they came out with, they said, I'll tell you what we'll do is we'll mail you your DVDs and then you can watch them and mail them back to us. And that really wasn't a, a, a really good, a good way to be able to do that. And the, and, but in their mind, they, they had this, the, the guys that ran it, they wanted to do this streaming thing where you watch movies on, on the Internet. You just stream the movie on the Internet. And, uh, and, and that, that, the, the technology was so so bad then you just couldn't do that so the netflix owner he went to the blockbuster he went to blockbuster and he said i tell you we'll we'll sell netflix our company netflix will sell it for 50 million dollars and the owners at blockbuster laughed at them they just laughed at them and uh they didn't buy it well in 2007 netflix was starting to boom and blockbuster was dying slowly in 2010, Blockbuster had lost $1.1 billion by 2010. Netflix was worth $13 billion by then. $13 billion. In 2013, Blockbuster had closed most of its stores, and Netflix was worth $20 billion in 2013. Today, there's one Blockbuster store open. One. And Netflix is now worth over $100 billion. Blockbuster had the money to buy it. They just missed that opportunity. Sometimes you miss opportunities because you're afraid to act. Well, what does that mean to us? I want to give you three things. I, I want to look, number one, uh, if you're looking at your outline, number one, to take advantage of your opportunities. Take advantage of your opportunities. Um, in Ephesians uh, chapter 5, verse 15 and 16, we, we find Paul, uh, he says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Paul is saying, live like Christ. Live Christ-like. You've got an opportunity. You've got, 
you've got a time in your life that you can be able to live like, like Christ wants you to be able to live. Take that opportunity to live like Christ wants you to. He says, don't live like the fools live. But also, Paul tells us to give our lives to Christ as an offering. I read just a second ago, uh, Romans chapter 12. He, he tells us, he tells us to, to give our lives as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice is what he tells us to give our life. So we've, we've got an opportunity to be Christ-like. Um, when, you, when you think about how much time that you've got in the hourglass, Grady, you still watch Grady. Get Grady. Tell him to watch that, that glass now. <laughs> Make sure you still full. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. Grady can't see, so he can't see that hourglass. Rita, you may have to help him. <laughs> She's got her eyes on it. We don't know. We don't know what, how much time in the hourglass that we have. But, but one thing that, do you not want to end your life the way Paul ended his life? And he says, I feel like I'm being poured out as a drink offering. He, he's given everything that, that, he, that he could. It, it, go back and he says, I, I've, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. He says, I fought the good fight. I finished the faith. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. He's, he's excited about it. He's excited about it. So do you want your life, is that the way you want to end your life, is being poured out as a drink offering? So you've got an opportunity this morning to be able to live for Christ. We also have an opportunity, or we, we have to be able to take advantage uh, to nurture relationships. Take advantage to nurture relationships. Paul had relationship with, with everybody. Everywhere that he went to, he had relation, uh, a good relationship with people. He's writing this letter to Timothy, which is in Ephesus. He loved that church in Ephesus. And he said in Acts 20, verse 36, Paul was, you know, he was traveling from, he was traveling through Ephesus. And this was before he was, he was arrested here and, and, and in Rome and in this cell. But he, and he stopped by to be able to see the Ephesian church. And when he was there, he, he knew something was going on. He knew that he wouldn't be back. And he told them. He had he'd apparently told them before this. But he says in verse 36, And when they had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. Then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him. Sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke that they would see his face no more. And then they accompanied him, accompanied him to the ship. Have you ever thought about the last time? Last time you'd see somebody, the last time you'd have a chance to say something. Several years ago, one of my work buddies that I used to work with, I have a lot of respect for, named Phil Henderson. We were in, in the middle of a meeting, and he was sitting beside me, and I I grabbed my phone, my phone started ringing, so I grabbed my phone, I looked at it, and it was my dad. 
I just put it in my pocket. I gotta call him back. <laughs> if you knew my dad, you, I'd be on the phone forever. Now here I am in the middle of this meeting, and uh, I, I I really don't have time to talk to him right now. And I'll never forget. Phil leaned over. He leaned over to me and he said, "There'll come a day when you'll wish you answered that phone. There'll come a day when you wish you answered that." March 14th of last year. I would have loved to have had that opportunity. Because March 15th, my dad died. He was in a work accident and he died. I'm thankful that there was no hard feelings. I'm thankful that I love my dad and he loved me. And, and But... One thing that I remember a couple of years ago, my dad never said that he loved me. He, ne he never told me. He said, I love you. He, I, it just We didn't do that. I didn't, I didn't tell him. But we just kind of knew that we loved each other. And something happened with my uncle and my dad. Um, he, was, he had some heart problems, had to have some bypasses, and that really affected dad. And when dad called me and he said, I think, I think Jerry's going to be okay. But he said, I said, well, I, and I was sitting out here in the parking lot in the church, and he, he said before he hung up, he said, but I want to tell you I love you. So what do you need to say this morning? You've got an opportunity to be able to say things that you need to say. Brother Sammy, I've not preached as many funerals as you have, but it seems like when I have preached, I've preached funerals. And I can tell you this, the things that are mentioned in a funeral, it's not about where you work, it's not about everything secular. There, there's three things that matter and three things that are talked about in a funeral. It's your relationship with God, your relationship with your family, and your relationship with your friends. Everything else, how much money you had, that's, <laughs> that's never been brought up. Or if it has, it's, it's not been brought up that much. It had to be a lot of money <laughs> to be able to bring that up. You ever brought, brought up anybody's bank account? Um, it's three things. Relationships matter in their life. You've got an advantage to take every opportunity to be able to nurture those relationships. And number three, take advantage of time to give your life to Christ. This morning, you may be here this morning and you have never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. That you, you, you meant to, you, you thought you'd have another opportunity. And, and let me tell you, this morning, you've got that opportunity. Trust in God while you have that opportunity. Many people reject God because they think, well, I've, I'm going to have more time. I've, I've, most of the time, it's not that you don't believe who God is, and most of the time it's not that you believe that different things and, and people sway you, but most of the time you just think you're going to have another opportunity, and you just don't do it. 
Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, today is the day of salvation. He says, behold, now is the accepted time, and behold, today is the day of salvation. He also tells us in Romans 6, in ver- or Romans chapter 6, verse 6 and 8, or through 8, he says, he gives us this knowledge about Christ. He said, for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even while we were still sinners, he died. And he died because he knew that one day you would have an opportunity to be able to be where you are right now, right at this time, with still sand in the hourglass to be able to give your life to Christ. We were studying this morning in in the book of James, and I I wasn't going to use this, but it was so good that... We were t- James tells us in uh, chapter fourteen or chapter four, verse fourteen, says, "For what is your life?" He asked him this question. He said, "What what is your life?" He says, "It is even a vapor that appears for a little time, and then it vanishes away." I'm gonna tell you something. We have the opportunity to be able to to come to know Him this morning. We've got the opportunity to be able to say the things that we need to say and do the things that we need to do. And we've got the opportunity to be able to give everything that we've got and take advantage of the, the time that He's given us in this e- enormous opportunity that He's given us this morning. Just a little bit of time, just a little bit of sand left in that hourglass. A little bit. How much sand is left in your hourglass? If you would, let's stand. And I want you to think about that just a minute. Um, praise team, are gonna, they're going to come up and they're going to sing a song this morning. But I want you to, just for a second, just bow your heads just for a second. And think about that hourglass. Do you need to put your trust in Christ today and accept Him as Lord of your life? Why would you not? This morning, you've got the opportunity. Um, what is it that God's given you an opportunity to be able to do this morning? Why have you not done it? Or why are you not doing it? Is it because it goes against your plans? Is it because it goes against uh, whatever? Do you need to ask a person for forgiveness or do you just need to reach out, hold somebody's hand this morning and just pray for Paul told Timothy to come before winter because that opportunity would be over if he didn't. So as they pray this morning, I beg you this morning, please come this morning. Come before winter.
you would let me share just a decision. Well, several came and prayed at, at the altar this morning, and I know perhaps there were some decisions made in your seat, but we had one a public profession of faith. Jennifer, if you would uh, come up just a moment. Uh, this is Jennifer Parker. Jennifer and I met this past uh, Wednesday night, and so she came just to, just to talk, and we talked for a while. And so Jennifer uh, shared with me how she felt like she needed to trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of her life. And so there in my study, she knelt down. She, With a broken heart and a contrite spirit, she asked Christ to forgive her and to come into her life and save her and be her Lord and be her Savior. And she wants to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. And then uh, whatever his will is for her life, she wants to fulfill that purpose. And so if you rejoice in her decision, let it be known by a round of applause and an amen. All right, and you'll be able to greet her in, in just a moment. Mike shared about our texting back and forth, and, and really, he didn't share all of it. He, he shared uh, that I said, he said, I have, I need to have two sermons I'd like to share. How much time do I have? I said, you have 30 minutes to work one in or both in. And I said, uh, this is not going to be the last time you ever preach. And, uh, and so, uh, and I, I did say that uh, anything too long, we'd have to call security and ask, ask them to remove an unlicensed preacher from the pulpit. <laughs> but we want to make sure he has a, right credentials this morning. Um, I was sharing with him some things I'd noticed online about licensing services, and this is what this is. And I shared with him about our black brothers and sisters and their church. And what they do, uh, they license a person after they preach, but they have to preach on the floor. They won't let them behind the pulpit until they preach on the floor, and then the church votes on them then to see if you go ahead and give them a certificate or not. So anyway, I told Mike, we'll let you behind the pulpit, but we'll, we'll have to remove you if things don't go well. He understood that. Mike, come up here just a moment. Come here a second. I have a certificate. Our church met in quarterly business meeting. I think it's our third quarter back in October around that time. And so uh, Mike had shared with me about his uh, surrendering to the call to, to ministry there at Vina. And so our church uh, in business session, we wanted to set a time to license you on behalf of this church into the gospel ministry. This certificate just reads this, Certificate of License. This is to certify Michael Dwayne Norton who has given evidence that God has called him into the gospel ministry, was licensed to preach the gospel as he may have opportunity and to exercise his gifts in the work of the ministry by Mountain View Baptist Church at Phil Camel, Alabama on the 10th day of February, 2019. It's signed by Diane Pounders, who is our church clerk, and signed by me as a pastor. And so, Mike... Congratulations, brother. We're going to be praying for you. I think someone's getting pictures. Jeannie's getting some pictures. 
Now, I didn't say, Mike, make sure you wear a gray suit tomorrow. I don't know how this came about, but we kind of <laughs> laughed at it a few minutes when he first got here. Gina, come on up here just a moment. When God calls a man to preach, he also, you can come over here in the middle, Brother Mike, come over here a second, stand that. I'll get centered up with the roses. There you go. When God calls a, a, a person to preach, calls a man to preach, he also speaks to the wife. And that's what happened to Judy and I. And so uh, gives her a piece about it. And uh, this is a step of faith. It really is. Because when you surrender to the ministry, you're surrendering like I and Mike and others. Uh, Lord, we just, we're, we're available. We'll do what you want us to do. And then he begins to direct and lead. And so, uh, Gina, uh, God's put Mike with a, with a great spouse, one that prays. She's a prayer warrior, and I know she's going to be praying for her husband. He's going to be praying for her. And your church is going to be praying for you. And so I pray God will open up doors for you to have an opportunity to share the gospel, ever how that'll be. And so we'll trust that uh, you'll recognize his will, you and Gina both, and we'll be praying. This, we're going to be your cheerleaders. And we thank God that you're here to teach. We thank God Gina's here to be our pianist. And, and so we'll leave the rest up to God. We'll serve him, worship him, and uh, love him, and thank him for what he's done in your life. And so I'm going to ask you, if you will, both of you, just go back to the foyer and make sure you greet them when you go out. And then uh, uh, I know you want to say something to them. So if y'all would just go on back, both of you together. And Jennifer, if you would come up just a moment. Who was your Sunday school teacher this morning? Was it B, Benton, you and Christy? Would y'all take Jennifer out and you... Well, again, I want to thank you for viewing our worship service. If you'd like to know how you could come to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, please feel free to contact our church at the address listed. We also encourage you to visit our website. Thank you, and may God bless you.